evening. This is Dracula. Just kidding. <laughs> Are you ready? <laughs> that threw me. Yeah, I am ready. I just don't know where to throw this. All right. Throw it out the window. It's Dracula. How'd you do that? Dracula. It's Dracula. <laughs> oh, welcome back to another episode. <laughs> All right. Oh, that wasn't it. Oh, you could use it if you want to. <laughs> do you want me to do that? Who are you? Does what are really, we? It doesn't really fit. Um, yeah, it doesn't fit. Maybe we shouldn't be disrespectful. No, exactly. We should have done it for the Halloween. All of this is staying. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Welcome back to another episode of Unprofessionals Asking Questions. I'm Sid. And I'm Julia. And this week's episode is a true crime story, and it is called What Caused the Tragic Deaths of Zach Bowen and Addie Hall? I'm interested to hear about this. I haven't ever heard about this case before. Like... Mm-hmm. We've discussed a little bit about it. A but, little bit. Only because... But no, I don't actually... I still don't know, like, what happened. Okay. Yeah, because we didn't get very far when we talked about it before, yeah. so... <laughs> we had a little te- technical, technical difficulties on Sid's end. <laughs> um, before we get into it, correction from the Baba Yaga episode that I did. Um, I didn't even notice it until I was listening to the reel that we put out, or one of the reels. And I said that her hut was on... Four chicken legs. Chickens have two legs. Last time I checked, so her hut was on two chicken legs, not four. Don't come at me, okay? I know animals. Um, <laughs> I didn't even notice it, and maybe people didn't, but and I didn't notice it right away. It was later on, but I was like, why would I have said four? I even had it in my notes too. So like, where'd four come from? Yeah, chickens know. don't have four legs. Oh, you had four in your notes? No, I had two. Oh, I don't know. I don't know either. Maybe all the four-legged animals that we have surrounding us. Could be. Um, Also, well, we skipped a week. We did? Why did we skip a week, Because they got engaged. She got engaged. So, sorry if you missed us, but I was celebrating. Yes. So, here we are. So, here we are. We're back at it. And we're going to bring you real far down into a pit of darkness because it's really sad. So All right. maybe our next tea. episode could be a little happier and more fun. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. So, all right. So this is, again, the tragic story for the tra- tragic stories of Zach Bowen and Addie Hall and what caused their deaths. Most of this information that I have, I took from a book called Shake the Devil Off, which is a true crime story written by Ethan Brown. And he did interviews with his friends, his family, his ex-military buddies, everyone so he got the full he got the full scoop the only thing i didn't really notice was or didn't seem to be any interviews with his dad it was mostly just his mom's point of view Hmm. that i had seen but so i'm not really sure what happened there maybe his dad didn't want to could be like that's you know losing a kid is really tough i'm sure so anyway we'll dive right into it uh trigger warning we will talk a little bit about suicide but it's right at the beginning, so get ready. Okay. Um, on October 17th, 2006, around 8.30 p.m., the body of Zach Bowen was found on the roof of a parking garage. He had jumped from the roof of the Omni Hotel in New Orleans, Louisiana, and when the cops arrived, they searched the body, and they found a note in his pocket. Okay. Clearly a suicide note. Yeah, so they... It was suicide. They didn't even, like, think anything else? Exactly. Okay. They opened the note, and they started to read it, and that kind of changed the type of investigation they were going to do. 
It was turning from a suicide into a murder. Not really his murder, but someone else's. Hmm. But we won't get into that yet. I'm going to read just the very beginning of the note, and we'll get back to it a little bit later in the episode. Okay. The beginning of his note says, This is not accidental. I had to take my own life to pay for the one I took. Dun, dun, dun. Mystery. It is a little bit of a mystery. So a little bit about Zach. He was born on May 15th, 1978, to parents Lori and Jack Bowen in Bakersfield, California. He also had an older brother named Jed by three years. What a name. Jed. Jed. Zach. (laughs) Yeah. Jed. Jed. It seems like a 70s thing. Yeah, probably. I don't know any Judd. I think of Judd. Like from Arsenal Development. I don't know. I don't remember. It's been a long time since I've seen that. Yeah, it's Judd. Who's Judd? Which one's Judd? Brother. Oh, Jeb. Um, why? Jeb. Yeah. Well, also, when you said Arrested Development, I was thinking of Parks and Rec, and I have no idea why. I was, like, thinking of... Who's <laughs> Jeb, right? Yeah, it's Jeb. Yeah, I do love Arrested Development. Me too. I haven't seen that in a minute either. Sorry, I want to know. Names are weird. When the first the first time you said his name, I was thinking that too. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I was thinking Jeb, but anyways. <laughs> well, this isn't about Jed; it's about Zach, anyway. So, <laughs> moving on. Um, since they were very young, they moved around a lot. Their parents kind of went with like a gypsy type lifestyle, where they're kind of picking up and moving around. You know, staying at friends' houses moving towns all the time just bouncing everywhere yeah that so hippie lot, like the hippie lifestyle mm-hmm. kind of and that was that they started that whenever zach was just a few months old so that's pretty much all he's and they did settle a little bit eventually but no real solid roots from the beginning His i would development say was like bounce yeah. bounce bounce mm-hmm. and you know for some people that's fine and that's just your life and you go on continuing to do that yeah but i'm sure it could affect in a negative way. Without the structure, other things maybe. Going on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, they had even bought one of those, like, VW buses, which if I would ever travel on the road for, like, life, I'd be in a VW bus. See, I would, like, think I would want to because, like, nostalgic, mm-hmm. but space. Space I would need, like, and bathroom. a massive bus. So maybe, like, a camper. Maybe we'll just get a camper yeah. at that point and travel. And, like, make it look like a VW yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know what I do like are silver bullet ones. Mm, yes. I love those. Mm-hmm. And they're, I think they're still very, very expensive, but they're all decked out inside. But yeah. on the outside, they're just that smooth silver, mm-hmm. like bullet, I guess. Pretty cool. I was trying to think of, yeah. I was trying to think of something else too, but I think it's like that same one. Are they, do they go by a different name too? Probably. I don't think that's their name. Oh, okay. But I know exactly what you're talking mm-hmm. about. It's like almost there. I think I am thinking of something else. Well, hold on. Keep yours. Okay. <laughs> Let me make sure it's fine. I must have put my. You're still going. Yep. Okay. So sorry. You're fine. Must have hit my thingy. You keep going. Oh, Sorry. well, were we, were you looking something up? Yeah, I was going to, but then I didn't know if you were over it. No. <laughs> okay. Airstream. That's it. That's it. That I was like, no, I, that's what I was trying to think of yes. before. Yeah. Airstream. That's I was what they like, are. No, I'm pretty sure what she's saying is the same thing yes. as an Airstream. Yeah. Silver Bullet's definitely not any kind I of like name. Silver Bullet. You should, like, get them a <laughs> license plate. Yeah. Silver Bullet. Did you ever see that movie? The Silver Bullet. It's like a werewolf movie. It's old. Not old, old, but before our time. Probably. 
<laughs> it's actually good. It's a little cheesy in some parts, but no, it's good. I don't I've think seen I have. that quite a few times. Anyway, I know. I'm 1985. Yep. Or thriller. Oh, it's a Stephen King. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Let's check it out. Anyway, that was way off topic. I don't know how it's I got to werewolf horror movies. Oh, VW. That's where it started. The VW. Yeah, start somewhere. Right, right, right. We have a path, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so eventually they made a move from California to Washington and kind of settled there for some time. But eventually Zach's parents did end up separating. The marriage did not work out for different reasons. And um, the mom, Lori, ended up taking the kids back to California to Santa Maria. And the dad, Jack, stayed in Washington. Okay. So now split. And they're teenagers at this point. So it probably wasn't super, you know, easy to go through as a teenager. No, that's a big change. Yeah. And Zach, he had was already kind of awkward and bashful and shy, goofy, um, because he was a tall boy, okay? How tall? Like, real tall. Like, three of me tall. He was 6'10". I know. The math doesn't add up. (laughs) (laughs) Math doesn't add up there, but it was an exaggeration. Oh, my gosh. Could you imagine? 6'10". No, Wyatt's, I think, 6'2". And anyone 5'3 and over is tall to me, so, you know, like... Yeah. 6'10", I just can't comprehend. No. How tall is your Wyatt? He's either 6'2 or 6'1. I think he's like in between maybe. Wow, we both date Wyatt's and they're both like the same height. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like... I feel like he might be more 6'1". I'm trying to like picture our Wyatt's beside each other. We'll have to look next time. if they're at their same height. (laughs) Their height. What? I said next time they're together, we'll have to measure them. And then I emphasize their height. (laughs) Yeah, we were talking about height. So why did you say it like... (laughs) How tall are you? (laughs) You're texting him. (laughs) He's going to be like, why? (laughs) Do you think he'll answer right away? It'll just come back later. Yeah. Okay. All right. So... (laughs) He was 6'10", and he also had a size 17 shoe, which That's I big. also can't comprehend, a size 17 shoe. No, just imagine being in high school, like, clonking around. Well, that's the thing. Because of that, he kind of had difficulty walking correctly. 6'1". Six, six, good job. Me. Look at you. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so he had kind of, like, difficulty walking because of shoe size and his height and you're tall, thin, lanky, like... Teenage, you know, you're just kind yeah, of one of those like inflatable like car dealership. Like, yeah, men. the noodle things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I wish we had visuals um, to see us <laughs> recreate those scenes, but you know what we're saying. So he was a little awkward because of that. He wasn't really fitting in to his body yet in a way, um, but he did like to listen to heavy metal music, grunge music, and he loved to play the drums. So he had like a real cool side to him, you know, music kid. Zach would also joke with his classmates and he did this to, as sort of like a defense mechanism to kind of make him feel like he's fitting in, kind of cover up his goofiness and his shyness and um, things like that. Cause he just never felt like he fit in. He always felt like he was different from his classmates. And he was constantly apologizing, which is really sad. I mean, I can relate to that. I know I do that too, Um, which definitely sounds from just anxiety, I I believe. So, yeah. 
But his mom did mention, like, he was always apologizing for things, apologizing to his friends and his family for Just everything for, like, he existing. did. Basically, like, because he never did anything, like, bad up like at that point like Mm -hmm. the worst he had done was just getting like maybe some bad grades here and there Mm -hmm. but like nothing crazy like he didn't get into trouble as far as i saw he didn't like do drugs or drink yeah but i feel like a lot of us kind of relate to the feeling of just needing to apologize yeah or like stupid little things that and maybe, Don't like, home life and just, like, is bring up, like, just mental health mm-hmm. in a sense. Maybe the divorce had something to do with that, too. Maybe mm-hmm. he felt that if he didn't try to make amends right away, that that person or friend or whatever would leave. Right. Something like that. Who knows? But it's kind of sad to think about. Um, and something else that really fueled his anxiety and really affected him was during his senior year, and it was homecoming. Which homecoming should not be a thing that affects you like that. Yeah, but some people like that's life or death. It is, and it's wild to me. Like that's the last thing I thought about. Which I mean, you know, different people, but that shouldn't define you. Did his like mom put pressure on him? Because I feel like some people like it's like their parents that like no, they have to like live through their kid mm-hmm. to be like the popular person. I don't think it, like his mom was like that at all because she was like more of a hippie for sure mm-hmm. growing up like she would protest the wars she listened to like cool ass heavy metal music too like yeah she wasn't like she wasn't that. that type and she even kind of did the opposite instead of encouraging him she not not that she was discouraging him but she was trying to lower his expectations a little bit like okay. hey there's a lot of other kids here that you know get better grades than you they have college plans you know like, they might win they might win so mm-hmm. please don't get your hopes up too far right with this because there are better candidates on Supporting, the court but mm-hmm. preparing right but he was on the homecoming court so like people did vote him on there i don't know if it was i think most of the time it's when you get onto the homecoming court, that's from the student body voting. Mm-hmm. And then once you're on the homecoming court, the teachers vote for the king or queen. Maybe. I don't really know. I think everywhere is different. Yeah, I don't know. I can't even remember how it was for my school. I don't even I know think- if I went to ours, to be honest. I didn't go to, like, the dance or anything. But, like, the game. I don't remember how I went to the game. I think it was announced during the game. But... I'm pretty sure the student body voted both times. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, East East Coast to West Coast could be way different. Oh, yeah. Also, it could be completely any different. school, anywhere could be way different. And so. I didn't read in here, like, how they actually did it. So, yeah. who knows? Probably not the most important part of this. Right. Movie, so. Well, in a way, it could be if it was, like, teachers towards the end because she, his mom did mention that teachers either, either loved him or hated him. Mm. Probably because of kind of goofing around trying to be the class clown to fit in with the students so some teachers probably didn't like that so if it was teachers that ended up voting that could affect yeah yeah so who knows but now we're focusing on um so homecoming came around and it was november 3rd 1995 he walked out on the field with um he was dressed in just like a black pants and a white dress shirt but he also was wearing a cape So, no, no. you know, I don't really know, but I mean, it probably goes with the vibe he was trying to put out there. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, goofy and I'm fun. Like a Dracula cape? That's what's in my head, is a Dracula cape. literally what's in my head. Which, honestly, I should have kept the intro that I had planned earlier. I which is it still. We could. Maybe we will. Who still knows? There. Who knows what it will be when you listen to it? <laughs> um, 
but that's what he like, wore. Keep it; it's there. <laughs> <laughs> he did wear that, and I think some people were like, "Okay, what are you doing? Like, it's kind yeah. of strange." Um, and also, whenever it came to him doing his speech, he was, which I think is funny and cool, and I would have done the same thing. But during his speech, he said that the Santa Maria High School should institute a mandatory two-hour nap period. <laughs> Hell yeah. I think that's funny. It is funny. But people were kind of like, you're not taking this seriously. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Which you should, honestly, I don't think you should take homecoming seriously. Right. Like, are you really mm-hmm. going to be doing? Yeah. So I feel like maybe he was just kind of born in the wrong decade. Maybe. You mean like he should have been later in life? Yeah, yeah. I think not now, any earlier. <laughs> no, not any earlier. So needless to say, Zach did not win. Uh-huh. Yeah. Probably. I know. I know. But it shouldn't affect you that much. And it unfortunately crushed him. He was devastated by losing that because he felt like this just kind of confirms his outsider status. With everyone. Mm-hmm. He already had a shaky self-esteem. That just didn't help. And it's like, to him, confirmed. Mm-hmm. He's an He took it more personally than he should have. And after homecoming, he started to become so distracted during his classes that his grades just went to shit. And he started talking about dropping out of high school. Which is a huge, like... You've already made... like I've You just, went so far. This is your senior year. Why wouldn't you just that's finish That's what it? I've never understood. There's so many people. I mean, different... Some things... It's, different situations and circumstances and mm-hmm. not judging but it's like you've made it that yeah, far you made it so far you know you hate it but like a couple Finish more the months. months out yeah so it was and on top of dropping out he also mentioned to his mom that he wanted to move in with his dad back in Washington so his mom was pretty upset about that one dropping out two then moving with his dad mm-hmm. just because she didn't really feel like he was a good parental figure he yeah. wanted to be more the best friend than the dad is what it seems like but we don't also have his side of everything from the book like we do his mom so it's hard to say right but and you'll see in a little bit here I kind of feel like she was kind of right about that Um, because in the second half of his senior year, Zach, he did drop out of high school. He packed up his stuff and he went to his dad's. When he got to his dad's, his dad was already kind of ready for a fresh start too. So he was like, let's go on a cross country trip. And when we do that, let's hit all the party spots. So again, Zach's like 18, 17, probably, I think at this point. And they're in Washington right now? They're in Washington. And he mapped out this route that would include Savannah, Georgia, Fort Lauderdale, and then they would end up in New Orleans, Louisiana. That's really a cross country. Yeah. Oh my goodness. And it seemed like he just wanted to hit the party spot. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. But they did end up taking off on their trip. They hung out at the bars, which he wasn't old enough to drink. So maybe that just wasn't a strict, but he was 6'10". Right. So maybe they weren't carding him. Maybe he looked older. And one, I think things were a little bit different. Yeah, in, in the, the 90s. 19- and then was it the 90s? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think at this point it was. Wait, regardless, 70s, 80s, yeah. 90s, it was all. Yeah, this was early 96. All different. So just a little before you were born. Yeah. <laughs> yes. He cut himself a day after I was born. Yeah. So bringing that back. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry, that stuck with me. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, I'll be honest, like this, this whole case kind of got to me a little bit. I don't know why. I just feel like the bars, it probably, they didn't card. If you were with your father too, I just feel like they were probably like, yeah, Mm -hmm. not questioning you. Yeah, maybe. Um, So they, they hit up those places and they ended up in New Orleans, Louisiana, where they had planned to stay for either a few weeks to a few months. Okay. This was going to be the longer of the stops. Um, They ended up renting an apartment. It was kind of run down. And Zach did enroll himself back in high school. Oh. So he went to a public school and then he dropped out a few months later. Why? I don't know. He just continued to feel like he didn't fit in. But you're, of course you're not going to fit in. You're the new student at a school. Mm-hmm. But finish out the rest of your months. Yeah, just do it. And just get it done. So who am I? Who am I to say that? I guess. I mean, I did graduate, so. I can't graduate. I graduated. <laughs> I graduated, you guys. <laughs> and I failed English. Just kidding. Field speech. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But while he was staying there, I think he's turned 18 at this point, and he did start to feel a little bit more confident in himself. He was less awkward. I think his like just baby features kind of melted away, and he started to chisel out a little bit more, Mm -hmm. kind of fill in his frame, become a man, make a man out of you, mom, and. Yeah, he just kind of became more comfortable with who he was. And he was looking forward to his future, whereas before he wasn't making plans for the future. Okay. He just didn't care. So now he's actually looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. That's good. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people actually thought that he was very handsome, too. Oh, that's yeah. a So he would get hit on all the time by girls and guys alike. How old is he? He's like 18. <laughs> Um, so he decided to use, so again, he can't drink yet. He's 18, legally, cannot drink. Legally, but he's drinking. But he's drinking and he's serving. So he got a job selling go cups on the street out of a bar window. Uh, which go cups? Go-gurt? No, go cups is just alcohol, cups of alcohol, mixed drinks, whatever that you can go up to on the street, and buy walk. it, and then drink it. You can walk around and drink. Things we wouldn't know. We would not know anything about that because the PA liquor board is shit. Strict. Very strict. But he was selling alcohol out of his window and he was getting a lot of attention. He was using his good looks to kind of make more money. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And there was one night where this girl showed up. She was a 28-year-old topless stripper from Texas. Her and her friend were just there visiting um, on vacation and... Her friend thought, like, Zach was a cutie and she was interested in maybe hanging out with him. But whenever they went up to talk to him, she noticed how Zach looked at her at her friend Lana. So the friend was like, I'm going to back off. He obviously is into you. Oh, what a good you friend. guys go ahead. What a good friend. Wasn't that hurtable? <laughs> I mean, if there was no communication at all yet, you just kind of saw him. You're like, oh, he's cute. I'm going to, you know, make my moves. But then... I don't know. Yeah. If there's no, like, real connection there yet, I don't right. think that's hard to cut that off. True. You know, and she dodged a bullet, to be honest. Yeah, and why would you want to go after someone who's not even looking at you? Right. <laughs> that's just sad, right? Yeah. Um. So, the girl that he was looking at was named Lana Shupak. And he was pouring her shots, and she was just like, oh, I like you. And before you knew it, they were going out on the first date. Okay. She did end up going back to Dallas because, again, she was only there on vacation. So she went back to Dallas. But then Zach kept calling her and he begged her to come back. And she was like, okay, fine. I'll move back there when we get my own apartment. And she did. She got one above a strip club so that she could continue to work while she was there. Mm-hmm. It was called Big Daddy Strip Club. <laughs> of course it was. Yeah. Um, 
McDonald's. Great, great name. Where you work. I'll and work this was on Bourbon Street. Street. So we all know Bourbon Street, right? Yes. And so that's like a whole bar scene, I'm pretty sure, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's all... Yeah, at party spots. It's pretty much like the night scene. Mm-hmm. That's where they have like the Mardi Gras parades, right? Mm-hmm. Is through there. Or is that just the French Quarter altogether? I think it's just the... I don't know with Mardi Gras. I've been to New Orleans, but... You have? Yes. You've been to Nolens? I've been to Nolens. I want to go. I haven't even been out in the swamp. <gasps> so was, You would because you, you like them alligators. You want to wrestle them, don't you? I do. I was obsessed with swamp people. Yeah, you're a swamp person. Sure. I cannot really. (laughs) But no, so yeah, Bourbon Street was where it seemed like most of like the activity of bars Mm -hmm. and restaurants, like things like that were. It's been so long. It was so hot and miserable. That's my thing. We went at like the end of July. That's probably the worst time, right? Yeah. It was bad. Why it was like so ill from like the heat and stuff. We were in Mississippi and there. Just kidding. And he was like dying as we were walking. So we walked into this like random place. We're like, do you have water? Like, like, you can only get water if you like get food. That's dumb. And the only thing, the cheapest thing was like their soup. So it's so freaking hot. I just ordered soup. Just just sit there so we could all get water. (laughs) That's so sad. It was sad. Man. So you kind of know the scene a little bit, I guess. And it's definitely a party scene. Yeah, but it was like during the day. So I want to go like part. I want to see the party Mm -hmm. scene. But it seemed definitely like that what Bourbon Street was like the scene to be at. Right. Gotcha. So, yep, she was keeping up with her, you know, her income. And by the fall of that year, I think we're still in, where are we at? 96? Yeah. I think 1996. Okay. Um, So by the fall of that year, they were inseparable. They really, really dug each other. However, he admitted to her that he was only 18 and her being 28, she was like, oh. imagine? That's the first thing you should ask. Yeah. But if he looked older, maybe don't ask. Yeah, but I don't know. Like, how does that come up? And that's if, it, if it's all happened within like eight months. Yeah. It, well, and. I don't know. To be honest, if it was me, one of the first things I ask is like, what's your sign? Because I want to know what I'm getting into as far as your zodiac goes. Right. And then I'll be like, what what year was that? Yeah. You know what I mean? No. I feel like I feel like you do ask, but maybe at that time you didn't. I also feel like you can look older than 18 at 18. Yeah. But if you're 28... Don't you still want to know if that person's like twenty? Like that's still a big difference mm-hmm. in a sense. Like I feel you still like you know they're younger. Yeah, I feel than like you sense know. that they're a lot. I don't know. Yeah, especially because like he seems kind of immature with it, mm-hmm. but maybe she is. Who knows about her? Right. That's true. Like yeah, it's so, weird though. Yeah. Regardless, she was kind of like freaked out about it. Yeah. yeah, and I would be too. I mean, hello. And so she was kind of like, eh, I don't really want to hang out with you anymore. And. um because she, she thought he was, like, at least 21 because of him serving alcohol. Right. But, or probably going to bars with her. Right, probably, and just not getting carded. But, so she was kind of, like, distancing herself and not really hanging out with him. And then, beginning of 1997, the following year, she actually finds out she's pregnant. Oh, my goodness. To him. And, um, you know, she didn't even really tell him. <laughs> so, not great. Not a great start. Um 
But to be fair, Zach was still living with his dad. Yeah. Like he's 18, he's living with his dad. And you're 28 and you find out you're pregnant. Yeah. yeah. So it's probably like the last thing. She's probably thinking he is not ready for this kind of thing. So I did find a letter that Zach ended up writing to his mom after he did find out. Um, so it goes, Mom. Well, the letter I never wanted to write so soon is upon me. This is the letter informing you of my unexpected venture into fatherhood. I've made quite a few errors in my past, and this is one of the biggest I've had to deal with. But this is what I get for being young and stupid. So there we go again, him just apologizing for things, Mm -hmm. just kind of feeling like he keeps blaming himself, very insecure about what he's doing. Yeah. The mother was as surprised as myself, but not as regretful, for she wanted to have this child. After hours of pleading defenses such as, I'm too young, I don't want to father this child, and why not wait for someone who shares the same feelings as you? She was still unmoved and much to my dismay. She is a 28-year-old ex-stripper, as of now, who I regret ever meeting. I know this isn't the ideal mother and neither of us, which is rude, and neither of us wanted parenthood, which is why she was on the pill the entire time, but I guess science sometimes fails. That's no excuse, and I know it, but it's the best I've got. I believe she will make a good mother who will love this child, but I just wish she could have waited for an older, more responsible person than myself to share this with. Well, oh, sorry. No, go ahead. No wonder she didn't want to, like, tell tell him. Mm-hmm. He doesn't want anything to do with it. Yeah. Sounds like. He's clearly, like, Spiny. not wanting this yeah. or ready for this in any way. Because he's like, but now I'm stuck. I'm going to stay in New Orleans until the child is born and see it through part of its infancy, but in no way will I be its daddy. Part yeah. of its infancy? Like, dude, a baby doesn't fucking need you, so don't be there at all if you're going to be there. In for... no way will I be its daddy. Then what are you? Yeah, what are you even doing? What's the point? Yeah, I don't. That's like is all over the place. It is. It is. Lots to unpack. Mm-hmm. And the last part of this says, I could have chose the easy way out and ran from this. Like I have all my other problems, but I couldn't do that to her. I have a responsibility to uphold, and damn it, I'm going to do it. I figure that if I want to play the gamble, then I need to be willing to uphold the consequences. Well, I know this troubles you and hurts you, but there's nothing I can do about it. So give me a call to discuss it. I'd like your support in this, so think it over before you talk to me. I know I've screwed up and I don't need to hear it from you. Please understand. Love always, Zach. How is he going to, like, say he's going to be responsible, but then he's saying, in no way am I going to be a daddy, and it's only up until infancy? Yeah. Like, I think you're missing the point of responsibility. Mm -hmm. But here's a letter. Give me a call. Yeah. (laughs) It's... It's a lot. Immature. Mm-hmm. And because of his immaturity, Lana kept him at a distance the entire length of her pregnancy. So she told him, but then she's like, don't come around me. Yeah. Like, I'm going to do this on my own. And she didn't even call him whenever she went into labor. <laughs> Which, I don't know. I think it, I think it would depend. Mm-hmm. Like, if he's not there and... Yeah. He's saying stuff like this. Like, I don't know. I probably would maybe do the same. Yeah. She actually didn't call him herself either after the child was born. She instead had her friend call him to let him know. Okay, ouch. Yeah. and they But they did end up having a son. His name was Jackson. That's J-A-X-O-N. Oh. So it's spelled a little different. Jackson. Jackson. And so Zach showed up and he instantly fell in love with the kid. So it all it took was him seeing the baby to be like, oh, I'm a dad now. Mm-hmm. This is my child. Mm-hmm. Which it makes sense. I have heard that like the mother becomes a mother when she 
finds out she's pregnant. Right. And the father becomes a father whenever he holds his baby for mm-hmm. the first time. Which makes sense. I mean... It's like the first time the father can actually feel like, exactly. that connection. Mm-hmm. So that makes sense. And it's good to know that like he did... Feel something. Feel, yes. Yeah. And not just nothing. And because of that, they did end up getting back together. So Zach and Lana, after Jackson was six weeks old, they officially got back together. And that kind of forced Zach to become more responsible and more serious about his future because he has a family now to take care of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's like good. He's investing himself in this. Yeah, he's, like, trying to get his ducks in a row. Mm-hmm. So he got his own apartment. He moved out of his dad's. And yeah. he got his own apartment. And he moved Lana and Jackson in with him. And he started working multiple jobs to be able to take care of everybody. But he was still a teenager at this point. So he still had some teenage habits. He worked late hours, which isn't part of that. But after he was done working, he would attend after parties with his coworkers. Yep. Which maybe once in a while, okay. But not when you have a newborn at home and trying yeah. to be a responsible father. You got to show up. Yeah. Right? It's easy to get stuck in that role in like the industry mm-hmm. lifestyle. But Yeah. Well, and to be honest, his father, Jack, was kind of like that, too, when he was young. Oh, was he? Yeah. So when Zach and Judd were both young, their father out? was out a lot after he was done working and was out. So Sometimes like, he wouldn't come home till 3 a.m. Kind of what he mm-hmm. knew. Like, it's yep. okay. Yep. So just kind of following in those footsteps, I guess. And this actually led to some... You know, not great things because on the evening of January 28th, 1998, he was hanging out with one of his friends. I don't know if it was after a party or what, but they were walking down the street and his friend was smoking a joint. Okay. And he was also carrying a a Coke can that was fashioned into a bong. So he has a joint and he has his Coke can. Right. And Zach is with him. Mm -hmm. But a cop walks by or passes by and spots his friend lighting up his joint and smoking and so he busts his friend, and then he's like, well, you're smoking this joint, but there's also this can that's fashioned to a bong, so this must be yours, Zach. Oh, like he wasn't... I don't even think he was holding it. They were just like, he has this, so this must be You yours. must be using this one. What? That's not how that works. Yeah. At least that's how I read it. Yeah, that's crazy, mm-hmm. but I so, believe it. Me too. And so he was busted also for possession of paraphernalia, <laughs> but the, drop, the um, charges were dropped really quick because... I don't know, his friend must have been like, no, that is mine. mine. Which is good. Good on you for... Yeah, especially because he's a newborn kid. Like, mm-hmm. admit you're wrong. Yeah. Don't get other people back in. Exactly. So, that was dropped. But he was so embarrassed by that because to him, that's just another failure and about another mistake. Something mm-hmm. else for him to apologize for. Looks bad. Which really wasn't his fault. I mean, yeah, I was hanging out with him, but like... Yeah, you don't really do anything. Yeah. So, I just kind of sucks and he ended up calling his brother just kind of his brother jed for advice and his brother suggested that he enlist in the army because jed himself had enlisted in 1994 and it was you know for him a great experience and he was like zach i think you should do this and zach said to him he would consider doing that but not right now and in the meantime he decided to pour all of his energy that he could into his relationship with lana okay and not long after he did propose to her she accepted. Aww. I know. Or is this giving you, like, flashbacks? To yeah, guy? it literally sounds like the exact same relationship here. <laughs> we have his son, Jackson. <laughs> I was a stripper. Yep. <laughs> anyway, so they got engaged, and then they ended up getting married on October 10th, 1998. 
they had their wedding in Jackson Square. And because of where it was, they had more tourists than they had actual wedding guests because it's just out in the open. So people were walking by, stopping and watching the wedding. Oh my gosh, I'd hate that. Yeah, that'd be really awkward. <laughs> yeah, no. Especially too. I mean, not especially, but like I guess Zach, um, whenever they were taking their vows, got very blubbery. Liberty. Um, And they ended up taking their honeymoon in Belize, which was a trip that they had won after Zach won a like um, cocktail contest, like a a drink contest. Well, there you go. Yeah. So you might start practicing your cocktails. Yeah. You made a drink so good that you won a trip out of it. It's freaking cool. That's really cool. I don't think they give prizes like that anymore, though. Probably. No. (laughs) You get taxed so much that you, like, lose the trip itself. Yeah. (laughs) Um, However, just before the wedding, Alana discovered that she was pregnant again. (gasps) Yeah. So now they're on their second child, um, which put even more pressure on Zach to make more money, work more jobs. Yeah. Bring, you know, take care of them. That would do it. So after they got back from their honeymoon, he just kind of threw himself into as many jobs as he could. He worked at multiple hotels and bars and then they did end up having their daughter on June 12th, 1999, and they named her Lily. Lily and Jackson. Mm-hmm. Those are cute names. As Zach continued to work and ponder his future, he thought about that conversation that he had with his brother, Jed, about joining the military. So during the fall of 1999, he enrolled himself in a GED program and earned his high school degree, finally. There we go. And once he was done with that, a few months later, he went to the Army recruiting station and enlisted for an eight-year term that would begin just two weeks later. Holy cow. Yeah. I can't imagine just like signing up. We're like, okay, well, you're shipping out in two weeks. So get ready. Yeah, that's wild. Mm-hmm. But, he, you know, I mean, he thought this was a good choice because he wants to make a better family mm-hmm. or make a better family. A life for his <laughs> make family. Make a better life for his family. I feel like that's what pretty I mean common to say. with a lot of people who do mm-hmm. join. He didn't want to have to continue to bartend. He didn't want Lana to have to continue to strip. Have benefits. Mm-hmm. Plus, like at the time he enlisted, there wasn't anything major going on with the world. There wasn't any wars happening. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So he was kind of like, okay, this is probably a good time to do this, right? Right. So early June of 2000, he shipped out to basic training, and he went to a military police school in Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri. And the transition for him was actually really, really smooth. He went from kind of like a chaotic life to full of structure, and he thrived in that. Okay. Which kind of, I guess, makes sense if you go back and think about he never had that. He never had structure. So now he's like... Oh, I have. I have something telling me what to do. I don't have to think about all these other things mm-hmm. or have options to mess up. Yeah, exactly. So he enjoyed that. And a fun fact, his grandfather on his mom's side actually completed basic training at the same place. Aww, so he was able to kind of so look cool. at those letters that his grandfather had written when he was in that same exact place. Because at this point, his grandfather had already passed. Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of like a, a sweet moment for him to be able to read those letters. Yeah, that, connected to your yeah. grandfather. Um, so he did end up completing the boot camp. And that was in October of 2000. And after that, he was sent to a military base in Geisen, Germany. Or Geisen. I'm going to go with Geisen. Um, and he loved that he was able. He was sent over there because he always wanted to travel. Mm-hmm. So to be able to get to go to Germany. Yeah, to go that's over. That's amazing. Across. You know, you still have some off hours that you could still explore. Mm-hmm. So that's right up his alley. And he had various duties while he was over there, such as patrolling the perimeter of the base, checking on the commissary, and filing reports on accidents. Not only did he thrive just with the structure, but he also made a ton of friends. Everyone loved him. He was super duper popular. Oh, so he's fitting in. He's finally fitting in. When he did it in high school, he's now in the military mm-hmm. and he is fitting in with everyone. See, everybody gets better. Uh-huh. And he he ended up 
turning the army barracks into a makeshift nightclub for their off hours. <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. And they would even like set up like a little band. Like he had a drum set and others had guitars. So they'd all just kind of jam out and drink. So it was Love pretty that. cool. Yeah. Yeah. They just, everyone loved to be around him. They said that he just kind of had yeah. a bright personality, kept everyone laughing and smiling and he was good to have around. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the fall of 2000, Zach befriended a small, close-knit group of the Geisen natives. So he didn't just make friends in the barracks, but outside. Okay. So he made friends with a group and he would like kind of show off his you know, cocktail mixing skills and his Mardi Gras beads. And in turn, they would take him touring through 12th century castles. I will go and show anybody some mixology if you can please <laughs> give take me it to some a castle. castle tours. How cool would that be? And he, they would also take him to like some German plays, which are really cool. That is cool. So he got to explore a lot with the natives, which is the way to do it. He would take them out to dinner. And even whenever they were sick, like he was so sweet that when his friends were sick, he would make them peppermint tea with honey. (laughs) That's what you need right now. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I don't have peppermint. This one's just Earl Grey with honey. You had a bunch of lemon and ginger today. Yeah. Do you have any garlic? Mm-mm, I did not go home. And- garlic tea? No, just garlic. no, just no. I garlic. know. <laughs> I was talking about lemon and ginger tea. Gotcha. But no, I do have garlic. But you should make a tea out of it. Honestly, it'd probably help. I it would be disgusting. Say, probably clear like anything up for the next five years. Yeah, <laughs> probably. <laughs> You'd be good. <laughs> Well, anyway, he would make his friends tea to make them feel better. And he would also constantly compile lists of music, books, and movies for them. To that experience. is so sweet. That is sweet. You know, like, well, you don't know, but whenever, like, back in the 90s and everyone was doing, like, um, burning CDs and doing, or before that, and they were bur- uh, doing mixtapes. How much younger that was do you away. Think I, oh, mixtapes. Okay. Yeah, I was like, mixtapes. I lived through burning CDs. I know you had CDs. I know you had mixtapes. And that was, like the way to you know be friends with people mm-hmm. and to flirt with people it's mm-hmm. like oh I made these this. are a group of songs that I really think you would enjoy and yeah. I put thought into this you mm-hmm. know what I mean people don't do that shit anymore no now people like follow other people's playlists but it's not like the same like you're not making it for a person right yeah I was sweet I feel like mm-hmm. so he would do that for his friends did anybody burn you a CD my mom yeah. <laughs> not even for me. I would just listen to her CDs. But no, I don't think anyone's burned me a CD before. But yeah. Mm, my my sister burnt, like, she made copies for, like, other people. So it wasn't specifically just for me. Mm-hmm. I've had someone do, like, a playlist for me. So, like, kind of like that thing. But Aww. we don't all that. We don't need all that. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, so, yeah, he would do that for them, too. And they even took a trip to Paris all together. Can you imagine? I can't. I want to go to Paris so bad. I need to enlist in the army. <laughs> Maybe. I shouldn't joke. So. No. Thank you. It's almost better and say thank you. It is. Thank it's you for your service. Birthday. I know your birthday is coming up. Coming up. All right. January 10th, 2001, he was deployed from the Geisen, Germany, base to Kosovo for a peacekeeping mission. And he, there he served as a gunner, which patrolled the city. And in the beginning of the mission, things were pretty much quiet. They were peaceful. They were all right. Like they weren't violent. And Zach would keep everyone awake and, you know, happy and smiling by singing 
songs or doing sing-along songs, including Tainted Love. So he would just like start up a group like oh, singing tainted session. Love. Tainted Love of all things. <laughs> I feel like, well, it was just funny because I mean, his music of choice, at least when he was a teenager, was grunge and heavy metal. So now he's just singing Tainted, tainted Love. love and he's so that's vibing. Kind of funny. He is vibing. Um, he would just kind of keep everyone in a good place. But soon things went very downhill um, just for everyone in the area because there was a series of events that kind of really affected everyone, including Zach. One day during the early spring of 2001, Zach handed a few pieces of candy to a young Albanian girl. The next day, Zach was told that she was killed by the Serbs simply for interacting with an American. That's traumatizing. It is traumatizing. And it devastated him. And he started to become a little more quiet and he kind of stopped doing the whole tainted love sing-alongs. He Mm -hmm. just kind of was a little bit more withdrawn, which... I mean, that's fair. That's, yeah, very fair. That would be expected because you have to process that. Um, He was also stressed out about his family back home because Lana was working long shifts at the local bars and still trying to take care of her two small kids by herself. So Zach would spend his days patrolling and then his nights consoling Lana by phone because she was just a wreck. She Apparently, she was too depressed to fill out the paperwork to live on base with them, which I don't know. Because he wasn't there? I guess. Well, I'm sure she was... It could have been, you know... Postpartum depression. Thank you. I was struggling. I was going to say post-traumatic because I'm already talking about PTSD. So uh, postpartum depression. But I mean, it could have been that. It could have just been also she was, you know, taking care of the kids by herself and trying to work. So that's a lot. And she probably missed him a lot. And... And then to but go through I don't the know. paperwork was probably probably a lot, especially like going it over. Just been very overwhelming. But for there had to have been some services to like help support you through that process. I feel like, yeah, I would think so too. But um, I do have another letter from Zach to his mom. This was March twenty fourth, two thousand one. Mom, hello, how are you? First off, let me say how truly sorry I am for not writing sooner. My life has been turned completely upside down lately and I'm running to keep up. I average a 10 to 14 hour workday here and still try to find time to do PT, eat, sleep, you know, the extras in life. I'm in an extremely stressful situation here and my situation with Lana isn't helping. I know that I put her in a strange position, but she doesn't seem to want to accept the fact that the only reason I did this whole thing was to better our family. It's really stressful. Then I get a wife who never writes or sends packages, rarely wants to talk on the phone because she's been at work all day and is tired on top of that doesn't want to get the paperwork done so i can get her to germany okay kosovo this this place really sucks it's dirty run down all the buildings are blown up my job is as a gunner i ride on top of a humvee with my head and torso sticking out sitting behind a machine gun looking for bad guys and worrying about running over landmines i'm learning a lot about my job and what it means to be a cop some of the stuff we do is fun but most of it is boring and scary we respond to about two riots a week where people throw rocks and Molotov co- cocktails and stuff. Oh my God. We mace them, 
hit them with batons, or shoot them with rubber pellets. We've been called away from our sector twice so far, once to Mitrovica in the French sector to respond to bad rioting, and once to the mountains of Macedonia to reinforce the infantry companies trying to hold back the Serbian troops and protect the refugees. It's all pretty exciting, but it's dangerous, and I'm always worried. I just wish things would work out, but I only have two and a half more months until I can go get the family and bring them over to Germany. I can't wait. Jackson barely remembers who I am anymore. I don't know. I guess this will all work itself out in the end. We'll just see what happens. Anyhow, I've got to get ready to go to work. I love you. Take care. Zach. It just seems like there's so much going on. I mean, it seems like he has empathy for his wife, but at the same time, imagine how hard that would be with, like, what you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. And then someone else being like, yeah, I'm really tired. I can't do the yeah. paperwork. But I just right. want to see you. And it's just like, okay, well, like, I'm tired, too. Mm-hmm. Can you do, like, I want to see my family. Right. Just do it. Well, and it's, it also seems like when he signed up, he wasn't really expecting to be thrown into things like this because there mm-hmm. wasn't a war going on. Right. And the only reason he signed up in the first place was to help his family. Mm-hmm. So now he feels like it's... He's not even there for his family. No. And maybe a little bit of ungratefulness on Lana's end. Mm-hmm. At least that's how he's taking it. I um, can see that. Mm-hmm. So, and to have to worry about running over landmines and Molotov cocktails. I was just say, the Molotov cocktails. It's just scary. You just don't know what you're going to go into each day. So, I can imagine. Yeah. But by May 2001, he ended up getting promoted from private to specialist. So, that kind of lifted his spirits a little bit. And he ended up returning to Geisen, kind of worn out, depressed. And worried that his family wouldn't make it to Germany because he's gone this whole time and she still didn't fill out the paperwork and yeah, she's like, is she ever gonna come? Mm-hmm. And he's been working ten to fourteen hour days constantly, so mm-hmm. he's he's worn for sure. And he also suffered a lot of foot pain as well because remember he has a size seventeen shoe and he was forced to wear these ill ill fitting combat boots because they didn't have anything in his size. So they didn't even give him boots that fit no. him? So from the very beginning, he was wearing boots that were too <gasps> small. That's awful. I can't even imagine. So it, le- it led to a very nasty case of hammer toe. What, what, do they just like kind of go into like a a block? Yeah. What it's like... do? Yeah. So... Hang it up. Yeah. Can, uh, I know you have like a weird thing with feet, so I didn't want to like put a photo in there. I can um, do. And you get like... Oh, like when they crunch up in out. a sense? So... It's like I'm sure you've seen like old people with it. Yeah, I have. When I worked um, in the nursing home, so they're not really straight anymore. Yeah, they kind of because it's so short, your toes kind of like get pushed back, pushed up. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then it's kind of like like curled. Um, yeah, yeah. So he was dealing with that the entire time. Oh, that'd be so painful. Yeah. And also because they're combat boots, they're probably very narrow. Mm-hmm. So they're all like crossing mm-hmm. over each other. <gasps> I know. During the spring of that year, the pain became so bad that he's just stopped wearing the boots altogether. And he was like, fuck it. And he wore his old tennis shoes until the army could finally make him a special pair of boots for himself. Which they should have done, done, done the at the beginning. Yeah. And maybe- so now you're just mad because he's in sneakers and you're going to do it? <laughs> I don't know. It didn't seem like anyone, like, had an issue with him doing that. I feel like maybe they understood. They were like, we need to get proper shoes. They should, yeah. They, there's no reason they didn't have that. Couldn't have had that from the very beginning before he even shipped off to basic training. So, 
Yeah. And he, it was so bad that he had to end up getting a surgery, which removed part of the bone and cartilage at the joint to try and like remove some of the pressure that he was having and straighten the toes some more. So he did have like a corrective surgery to try and fix things, which should help. I wonder how they do that. Well, I don't know. They so just they put like a splint in there to like push them straight. I mean, just as it removed bone and cartilage, I don't know if they put anything back in or if they just removed the bones that were enough like- that they could flatten. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. So I'm sure he had some kind of brace on it afterward to try and keep it to grow, to heal straight or something. But because of him having that surgery, he was able to take medical leave for a few weeks. So he went back to New Orleans to see his family. But unfortunately, like it was a nice reunion, but also they were kind of fighting because he was like, why don't you get this paperwork done so that you could come back with me to Germany? And by the end of the month before he was getting ready to leave, it still wasn't done. And Lana warned that he was not going to leave without them. I'm like, okay, then go do the paperwork. Right. Like why you, you had so long to why do this. Why And yes, that's the thing. Yeah. So instead of her going and doing it. He rushed out to complete the paperwork himself before leaving and got it all done. And he was able to take them back to Germany with him. So was that her whole thing? She just wanted him to do it? I don't know. It's very weird. 12 hour days. Yeah. Which I do. I should say we should have some sympathy. We don't know what it's like, like what her work life's like, what child care, mm-hmm. you know, it could be a lot, but at the same time, like don't be threatening him being like, not threatening, but like, you're not going back without us. Like, right. You could have been there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they got back to the base of Germany at this point, and they're all living together on the family housing. So they're all together now, which is good. But then 9 11 hit, and then right after that, the war with Iraq. Oh. Yeah. So he was shipped off with other soldiers to Baghdad. And unfortunately, his foot pain ended up returning. Even though he had the surgery, it came back. And because of it, he wasn't able to go out patrolling anymore. Instead, he was kind of staying put at a base, just running the operations. Okay. And he was so busy that Lana and his mom, Lori, hardly ever heard from him during this time at all. He was just constantly working. But her paperwork was done. Yep. So she was in Germany. Okay. She just wasn't like hearing from him because he was in. Because he got moved to Baghdad. Baghdad. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they were together for a time when back on the base, but then the war started and he had to be shipped off. And he was just so busy that they hardly heard from him during this time. But his mom would send him care packages. But she also, she included Playboys in those care packages. I don't know that that's something your mom should be sending for you. Looking out for a boy. I guess. She's like, I know Lana's not, so here you go. I don't know. It'd be one thing for Lana to send them. That would I would understand. But to have your mom send it? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. You know? Yeah, I do know. I, I don't know if I'd be comfortable. Yeah. It's just weird. But anyway, all those long, long hours that he was working ended up paying off and he got promoted again, this time from specialist to sergeant. So he was moving up. He was doing well. And um, things are going pretty good until he ended up receiving awful news that back home, Lana was sick. Very sick. Like she was diagnosed with a severe case of hepatitis C. Ooh. Which that's a bloodborne infectious disease that affects the liver. So okay. it ended up being very serious. He was allowed to fly home after he found out for a couple days, but then he had to go back to back. That'd down. be so hard. Yeah, and he was not happy about it because 
her symptoms just kept getting worse and worse. She thought she was going to die while he was away. And he just wanted to go back and take care of her. But when he requested that, he was denied by Mm -hmm. his superiors. So that just pissed him off. Rightfully so. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was was already kind of feeling pretty depressed about everything. Mm -hmm. And the war itself, he didn't really believe in anymore Mm -hmm. because it seemed like kind of a joke. Because, you know, the whole reason was supposedly maybe Iraq had weapons of mass destruction and that's why we were fighting mm-hmm. you know what i mean so which if they did have it most likely came from people who have oh, we, we won't get into this it. someday maybe but anyway so he was really like not about it anymore he was pissed off and he was just kind of over it he considered his military career done yeah in his eyes and i just can imagine for what it was like for him and a bunch of other soldiers who felt that way yeah but had no choice and had to continue. Right. Yeah, you can't really do anything about it. Um, and things just kind of continued to get worse. By October 26, 2003. There so were- many October dates, Sid. Isn't that weird? Every date you've said has almost been like their wedding, when he moved, mm-hmm. when he... Killed himself. Um, When they found out she was pregnant Mm -hmm. or no when they broke up and then she found out she was pregnant like everything has been in october it's super weird yeah october's a bad month i guess sorry you were born then best month (laughs) november's the best month because thanksgiving and my birthday yeah anyway so october 26 2003 there were a group of soldiers that were sitting in a parking area like in their vehicles when a mortar landed directly in between them the mortar blew it, blew everything up. The soldiers had limbs blown off. And there was also this 19-year-old soldier named Rachel who died after a piece of shrapnel the size of a pin struck her heart. Oh. And this specifically was very devastating for Zach because they had become very, very close. They were very good friends. She was one of very few females mm-hmm. in the troop. And all the guys were very protective over her. And she was just... She was great to be around, so it really devastated him. And Rachel actually was the first female military police officer to die in combat in Iraq. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Zach was mourning this, as mourning her loss as well as another loss at this time. So he had actually, quote, unquote, adopted a young Iraqi boy and just kind of like took him in under his wing. Not really adopted, but, okay. you know, he has kids now. So I'm sure when he comes across kids, just like that one Al- um, Albanian girl who some he keeps giving connection. Candy to, yeah. yeah. He's, These you know, are innocent civilians. Mm-hmm. So this young Iraqi boy, he had a family um, that owned a shop in town, like across from across the street from where the Iraqi police stations are. So Zach was there a lot running operations at those police stations. And um, the kid would always come over with like bags of ice and Cokes for for all of them. (laughs) And to thank him, Zach in turn would teach him English. So they had become very close and like friends and, you know. That's cute. It's really sweet. And then there was one day in early, um, in the fall (laughs) that... Well, no, this was September, so yeah. this must have been the following year. Or no, I'm sorry. This was before Yeah, this yeah. was. I have a little bit out of order. I think I wrote it because – so Rachel passed away and he was devastated. And other people, like those around him didn't realize he was already mourning a loss when Rachel died. And it was mm-hmm. this Iraqi boy. But anyway – so insurgents blew up that shop, that store, and killed the entire family. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. 
So he now is, so blew up the store just because of its location. Pretty I much think so. I don't think it has to do with interacting with Zach like it was that I'll be the girl, girl. But still. But yeah, you have that. The girl, the mm-hmm. small girl. That was his fault, he feels. Then you have the loss of Rachel, who he was very close with, mm-hmm. and he was devastated by. He just felt like, why, why was she taken and not him? Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. And then you have this Iraqi boy who was just really sweet and, you know, bringing them stuff. And not deserved to die. Just in the middle of everything. Yeah, that would be really hard. Mm-hmm. So he was very depressed. He got so depressed that he hardly left the base of operations. He didn't have... It, when he wasn't doing anything, when he wasn't working, he just slept the whole time. November so 2000. Depressed. So very depressed. Yeah. And by November of that year of 2003, the troop began to return back to Geisen. So they were done in Baghdad and they were heading back to the base in Germany. And when he returned, he was very quiet. He was withdrawn. He was brooding. Just his whole, all of his experiences with the war just had a major negative effect on him. Okay. And even though he wasn't like physically injured in the war, like with engagement with enemies or anything, it still took a toll on him physically and emotionally. Mm-hmm. He actually had appointments with doctors where he was experiencing frequent and severe headaches, which is a symptom of PTSD. Mm-hmm. And he was also short of breath when he went out on patrols. And at night he would wheeze and cough so much that he had trouble sleeping. And he developed a severe, painfully itchy rash on his back. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. And just his whole body kind of ached, his shoulders and his back. And by the spring of 2004, that following year, he was just kind of very fed up with everything. Like, everything hurt. He didn't feel good. He was, you know, depressed. He was tired of the war. He was over all of it. So he, even though he could do his basic exercises, he purposely would fail his physical fitness tests. Oh. Which, you know, you have to routinely do those. Yeah. Because they, they have, like, PT, like, all the time, right? Mm-hmm. I think. I don't know much about it, to be honest. But he would purposely fail them because he just was done. He wanted out. So sad. By the fall of that year, because of him failing, he was removed from the military. And he received a general discharge, which really upset him because... He wanted to have an honorable discharge for everything that he did in the army, which I guess could be argued. But the general discharge is given if negatives outweigh the positives in performance of service. Okay. So as far as everyone was concerned, he had no negatives Mm -hmm. other than maybe failing his PTT. But I don't know if they even knew that it was on purpose. Purpose, yeah. I mean, so it was odd because... Whenever he was being discharged, it was recommended by his superiors to have an honorable discharge. And I don't know who was in charge of everything, but they said they were like, no, he should have an honorable discharge because he has all these medals and badges. And he had risen up through the ranks very quickly, mm-hmm. very quickly. So they're like, this is what he should get. But he didn't end up getting that. So he was upset and he couldn't even go and have a board hearing because he had only served five years and you have to serve six to be able to actually have a hearing to argue something like that so many rules. i know i know and it's what's really sucky is under a general discharge versus honorable the general discharge you can lose benefits <gasps> what soldiers could lose benefits it could cause obstacles for veterans to find a civilian job because it would indicate that they had problems in the military what the heck mm-hmm. yeah 
So that just kind of, it was like that it was all for nothing. How many do, how many people get that just so that they don't have to do like a certain amount of payouts? I don't know. It's, it's, I don't know. I don't know. That's awful. It's shady. So people are mm-hmm. sacrificing their lives mm-hmm. for millions of yeah. people. And that's how you'll treat them for no reason. It makes me sick. Yeah. And because of all this, he refused to tell Lana, like, the details on why, on what kind of happened mm-hmm. and the kind of dis- discharge he was given. And because of that, that sparked a huge fight. And Lana was pissed. And she just packed her things and flew back to New Orleans and left the kids with Zach. Oh, she, just her She didn't even take the kids. Yeah. <gasps> she was like, goodbye. Okay. Which you kind of see, like, that's unstable, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, once his discharge was complete, because I'm sure it takes like a while to get everything done. And there's, yeah. you know, I don't know how it works, but I assume it's not just like one day. One day, done. yeah. So she flew back and then he was still there finishing his discharge. And when he was done, he flew back to New Orleans with the kids and Lana went to meet him to pick him up. Go Sorry, ahead. just one question. So he, with this discharge, he got the general. Mm-hmm. So he's not getting any benefits, like at I don't all. No, I just I read that soldiers can lose benefits. Okay, so it's I don't not know that if he, he did. did or it's not. not. It's not. If you get the general discharge, you automatically yeah, just it's just, use it's possible. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so whenever he flew back to Louisiana with the kids, Lana met them to pick him up and she had some news for him. I don't know what the time was from between her leaving and then him getting back home. Did she find a guy? She found a guy. <gasps> she started dating somebody else. It could have been more than like three months. Right? Yeah. I can't imagine. Holy cow. Yeah. Unstable. That's not great. She started seeing like an old friend. So she must have flown back and was just kind of like upset and rekindled something. Ew. Yeah. So Zach was pretty upset, but they agreed that the kids would stay with her while Zach stayed in a hotel room until he could find a more permanent place to stay. Oh my gosh. His world just turned upside down. Mm-hmm. And what's weirder too is like that, that didn't really last long. Him staying in a hotel before Lana ended up asking him to move in with her, but just his friends. And it's just for the kids. Was it just for the kids or she just needs? I don't know. She's still dating this dude. Yeah. Who didn't live there, but she was like, you can come stay with us because of so being with the kids. watch the kids mm-hmm. for me while I go fuck him. Yeah. Well, it, because he was still looking for a decent job, he would stay home all day and take care of the kids. Like, he would do be the husband mm-hmm. role, which... Uh, <sighs> I don't know that he ever really played that role. Right. You know? So right. she was probably at this point like that's fair. Like he had never had a full day really like taking yeah. care of the kids. Mm-hmm. So I kind of get it. And I do have this email here that he had sent to his mom. <laughs> so okay. Salutations. Which is <laughs> such a weird way to greet your mom. That's so wasn't that like in Winnie the Pooh all the time? I know I you said something stuck in your head. No, but then they used to be like salutations. I don't know. What kid show was that? Okay, keep going. Okay. Salutations. Yes, I am among the living. Barely. I hope you don't mind the fact that I don't use capital letters or much punctuation in emails. I just can't seem to find the time. To answer some of your questions, yes, I'm letting my hair grow out. Haircuts once a week for five years has taken its toll. It's coming along nicely, but it's in its frizzy phase. So I'm left to the confines of hats for a couple more months. 
We have till next January on our base on our lease here, so I don't foresee a move in the future. Lon has retaken a liking to this place and is trying to soak up as much of the civilized life as possible. I'm meeting up all the time with the kids. I do all the shopping. I've even started clipping coupons. I prepare all the meals. I've always loved to cook. I do all the laundry and other house husband stuff. And you know what? I don't mind it in the slightest. However, all that will come crashing down in the next few weeks as money grows tighter and everything is pretty much back on track. I'm thinking about driving a taxi. Gasp. <laughs> For a while since the schedule is to is to work when you want and the kids don't face well with only an hour or two with a parent each day. I'm hoping to be able to get back into doing something with my music here soon. I love the guitar, but miss playing the drums. It's been about three years since I've been able to set up the kit and play with people. But I have been playing my crappy old guitar a lot lately. Lily and Jackson get frustrated because they can't apply enough pressure to the strings to make a clean sound, even on their kids' guitars. But that doesn't stop Lily. She'll go long periods of time strumming a strumming open notes and singing at the top of her lungs for hours on end. Mm -hmm. Very musical, that one. It drives Lana crazy, but I encourage it and play along with my guitar while Jax bangs on electric drum pads. (laughs) I wonder why none of the neighbors seem to like our family. (laughs) The kids are doing fantastic in school. Jackson continues to excel in reading and math, but has very sloppy handwriting. Can't sit still, never stops talking, and lacks patience. I wonder where he gets that from. Curious. Lily is the dreamer. It seems that she doesn't have the time in her busy life to deal with trivial things like paying attention in class and not being a moody little temper-ridden drama queen. (laughs) Wonder where she gets that from, points the finger at Lana. However, she has decided that she'll become a rock star, actress, doctor, teacher when she grows up. Wow. Well, I'd better get along before my computer crashes. I'll talk to you again soon. Love, Z. So I have one question in the beginning of that email. Did you say something about them getting along well on base? I I accidentally said base. I meant to say lease. Okay. <laughs> I was just like, wait, so do they still take you back? Like, okay. No. Gotcha. I just misspoke. I meant to say lease. Okay. Um, you can but tell you can, that he's like really into like the kids thing. Exactly. Father. Like that sounds mm-hmm. like... I'm not saying that dads can't say this. It just sounds like that stereotypical, like, mom just going on about their kids in Mm -hmm. a sense. Yep, exactly. Uh, So things kind of went on like that for a while until he was able to find employment. So he found a bartending job. This was spring 2005. He found a bartending job at the Hogs Bar. (laughs) Hogs, H-O-G. Apostrophe S. Hogs Bar. And he was given the graveyard shift that was 2 a.m. to 10 a.m. Whoa. Yeah. They're open 24-7? Yep. Damn. Yeah. It it was a good time to make money, though. I I mean, the Hogs Bar was the after-work hangout spot for a lot of strippers. Yeah. Well, just other places, but just like the late night spot. So you're getting Mm -hmm. all the people who work nights. Yep. And the patrons love Zach. Because, again, he was cute. And he could mix drinks. So it was mostly women who would hit on him. But he didn't really give a shit if any of the girls like actually liked him or not. He was just kind of like, I'm just here to do my job. However, there was one girl that stood out to him because she was totally disinterested in him. Oh. She he gave or she gave no shits about him. So he what she wasn't like reacting like the other girls would. Yeah, they're not like, so of course he's like over him. well. I like you because, yeah. you know, you're a challenge kind mm-hmm. of thing. And <laughs> this girl was a fellow bartender at Hogs. She just worked a different shift. So she started, he ended at 10 and she would start at 10. 
Okay. This was Adrian Hall, otherwise known as Addie Hall. Okay. So this is where Addie comes into the picture. So a little bit about Addie. She was a 29-year-old with wild eyes and dirty blonde hair, but a low opinion of the bar and of Zach. (laughs) (laughs) Zach would, again, hand his shift off to her at 10 a.m., and she would just kind of tolerate him. Like, she was just like, whatever. But... The other bartenders, like the female bartenders, she couldn't stand. She would fight with them a lot because she felt that they were slow and they were way too easily charmed by Zach. <laughs> she just thought that Zach was like a goofy frat boy. Yeah, type. she was like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. And because of that, he was like instantly detra- attracted to her because she was not only a bartender, but she was a seamstress, a poet, and a dancer. Oh. Mm-hmm. He would hang out at the Hogs Bar long after he was done with his shift and she started hers just to talk to her and get to know her. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. He was like, I'm going to make you like me. Yep. So she was pretty reluctant in the beginning to open up to him, but he would like start courting her and he would buy her shots of Jaeger and she eventually opened up about her past. So a little background backstory of her past. She was raised in North Carolina. Her father was a Vietnam vet and her mother was a homemaker. <laughs> but Excuse me. She attended high school, but she didn't end up graduating because she found sewing, dancing, and writing poetry way more interesting than she did homework. I mean, duh. <laughs> After she dropped out of high school, she left home and she traveled around the country. She would do, she would like couch surf. And when she was broke, she'd rely on help from strangers for the basics like food and gas money. And similarly to Zach's lifestyle, she kind of traveled around a lot. I was just you know going to say, mean? they're very similar. They with dropped some out of high school mm-hmm. and, you know. Had the, nomad, like gypsy. Exactly. Lifestyle. So they, you know, had a lot in common already. By the late 1990s, she had settled back into North Carolina, where she ended up teaching salsa and ballroom dancing. Oh, wow. She's yeah. like jack of all trades here exactly by 2002 she was feeling pretty restless there so she decided to pick up and move to new orleans and she lived in a car for several weeks so she just lived out of her car for weeks until she was able to find her first apartment which she ended up sharing with a playwright who was named dennis mon and they met because she just happened to have her car parked on the street of a bar that he worked at <laughs> so he didn't she didn't know him at all prior to this they just met and then they became really fast friends and they moved in together And then eventually they found their own apartments. But a quote from Dennis, she was so smart. It just killed me. Her poetry was very, very good. And when it came to sewing, she could make anything from anything. She seems like a lovely boss. (laughs) And she also had a wicked sense of humor. So she kept this sewing mannequin that she used, obviously, to, you know, display or model some of her patterns or whatever she was working on. And one day she dressed up this mannequin as a tourist. Okay. So like tourist clothing, a wig, Mardi Gras beads. (laughs) She took the mannequin out onto the sidewalk outside of her apartment and sat it there. And she attached to it a hand grenade, which is just a name for a type of cocktail in the area, like on Bourbon Street. It's a Bourbon Street cocktail because it's like the type of containers it's in. It looks like a hand grenade. That is. But it's super popular. So she attached it to this mannequin to make it look like. It was drinking this drink and she would just kind of watch people go by and she would see if the tourists of the French Quarter would like and the residents that were local too would stop and try to talk to the mannequin and they would like they would think that that was a real person because they were so trashed. Oh my And she just goodness. got a kick out of that. <laughs> and later that night that she did this, she 
took the mannequin and she posed it in different position, like face first into an old broken toilet that she actually had out of her apartment. Mm -hmm. So there's this old broken toilet she removed from her apartment and put it out on the sidewalk, pretended like the mannequin was throwing up into this toilet. And she actually saw a tourist come up to it thinking it was a real person and started rubbing the mannequin's back to try to help it feel better while it was getting sick. So she just got People such a kick out of so doing that. She, in, yeah, it's just funny. That is hilarious. Mm-hmm. She waitressed, she bartended, she worked as a maid at a chapel that hosted weddings. Her personality was made um, for the bar scene and club scene. Like she was just an ideal fit for the French Quarter. And she always persevered when it came to hardships, when it came to low paying jobs and dumpy apartments. She just kind of made them all her own, she made them cozy. You know, she just made the best of everything. And people loved her. Sounds like it. Loved her. But when she would drink heavily, she would become a completely different person to the point where she was abusive to everyone around her. Oh, no. Including her really, really close friend, Dennis, the one that she lived with, the playwright. Mm-hmm. He, she was even abusive to him. And on one occasion, she was so rude to him that he didn't even talk to her for three months. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, like, just abusive all around, probably. Yeah, it wasn't physical. Like, this one, I believe she was out of the bar with some guys that she had met. I think they were, like, um, oil rig workers or whatever. She was hanging out with them and met up with Dennis. And she was being really just kind of rude, like, in front of him, like, to the guys. Like, just make... Because Dennis is gay. Mm. And so she she was using, like, like, slurs... And she just was not very nice. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So he did not talk to her for three months. They did end up getting, you know, becoming friends again. And he was just kind of like accepting who she was, but being wary whenever she was drinking heavily to kind of stay away from that mm-hmm. side of her. Because he, I think, I don't know if it was him or someone else kind of dubbed it her dark spells. Whenever she got into these moods, it was her dark spells. She actually kept an unloaded blue steel handgun in her apartment, and she would sometimes bring it out and flash it at people when she was pissed and drunk. Unloaded? Unloaded. <laughs> why? Not why unloaded, why only? <laughs> I don't why know. To look scary, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Ooh, she's a crazy bitch. Yeah, she ended up moving to a new apartment, and she went through she a series. Say that. I don't mean it disrespectfully. Yeah, I just mean it like, you know, when someone's yeah. what? Yeah. Um, so she moved to a new apartment. And she went through a series of roommates, none of them lasting more than a few months because they couldn't really deal with her dark spells. She would also often hang out with drug dealers. And once she even tried to rob a drug dealer. Oh, my goodness. Yep. She's a loose cannon. She was constantly in and out of relationships with rough guys who would abuse her. One time she was beaten so bad that she was left with a broken shoulder and a completely black and blue face. Jeez. Yeah. Her drinking also got worse, and she would start fights. One fight even ended with her cracking a beer bottle over another person's head at a bar. (laughs) So there's that. And she was also really into cocaine. Okay. She ended up having a casual relationship with a guy who later just became a really good friend. But to him, she did admit that she was being – she was sexually abused as a child. Mm. So you could kind of see there's probably some PTSD there as well. Yeah, some problems. Yeah. So oh, they I should both, say problems, issues, yeah, unresolved. So you could see she's probably had PTSD from being sexually abused as a child. And then we have Zach, who has PTSD from being in Iraq. Mm-hmm. 
So something else they have in common. Mm-hmm. Then, so they were, at this point, they're hanging out. You know, he's courting her. They're kind of dating, mm-hmm. feeling good about each other. Then came Hurricane Katrina. Oh. Massive. Yes. Yes. I so remember. August 27th, 2005. The citizens were urged to leave New Orleans, but there wasn't technically a mandatory evacuation at this point. But still, Lana had called Zach and she was like, hey, like, what are you planning to do for the hurricane? Like, are you staying where you are? Like, are you evacuating? What's going on? You know, I'm kind of freaked out with the kids. Like, what are we going to do? And he replied that he was going to stay where he was at Addie's apartment with her. They're just kind of right out the hurricane. We're just going to see where it takes us. Yep. And Lana was pissed at him for that because she was like, what about the kids? Like, you need to come with us with the kids. Like, mm-hmm. what are you doing? You're being thoughtless. You're being selfish. We need to take care of them. She begged him to come over to her apartment to be with the kids. And he was still insistent. No, I'm just going to ride out the storm. And she was even like, you can bring Addie with you. Like, that's fine. Bring her. But come. But come here where your guys are going to be more safe yeah. than where you are now. Good on Lana. Exactly. And he still refused. The storm started to get worse. And the entire city was evacuated supposed to be they stayed they stayed oh my goodness Mm -hmm. and that's by choice yeah because there were some people who could not evacuate due to just they were poor they didn't have cars they couldn't afford gas they couldn't get out yeah and it happens a lot with natural disasters but zach and Hattie probably could have found their way out of there but they did not want to saying come with us exactly like they had a place they could go they refused. They just wanted to hunker down to her apartment, and they did. And they had a supply of liquor, beer, and ice. I was just going to say, they had... All they need. They were set up. Mm-hmm. It's called the hurricane supply. Cocaine, alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> and being among the very few who did refuse to evacuate, they embraced the survivalism lifestyle, and they thrived during this time. Really? You, yeah. So if you pull up the pictures that I have. That's what I've been like creeping on. You but have, I gone like too those far. pictures are, were in articles during Hurricane Katrina. Wait, them partying like? Well. With all the beer cans and wine? They actually, so they were helped trying to help the area. So they fashioned paper plates into fly swatters because I guess the bugs were awful during this. Okay. Because the swamps. And then they would use tree limbs for campfires. During the day, they would go out on the streets and actually clean up trash and fall on tree limbs as much as they could. Oh, wow. And they would set up a table and chairs on the street in front of their apartment and serve dinners to people that stayed. That's so sweet. Like canned beans and soup. Whoever was around, they would um, they would actually cook the food over open bonfires that they started by lighting old mattresses on fire. Oh, my gosh. And also, in the early mornings, um, they would go out on the street and have sex in the middle of the street. Why not? I guess. <laughs> Ain't no one there. That's it probably feels like <laughs> an apocalyptic yeah. like world, probably. And they just felt like the, the whole disaster kind of washed away their past <laughs> and kind of reset everything for them. It's going to be Adam and Eve in the streets of Miami. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, and it's funny because there was an article on this next thing, too. But in order to keep the police, like, patrolling their area, because crime, because of the people that stayed, there was a lot of crime because there was no regulation going on. Mm-hmm. No, like, And it was more of the impoverished community mm-hmm. that doesn't really have... Yeah, so there would be, you know, criminal activity, there would be violence. So in order to keep the police patrolling their area, Lana would go out and just flash her tits at cars going by. Yeah. What did I say? Lana. Lana. I'm sorry, Addie. When did Lana come back? No, no, I'm sorry, Addie. Wait, she would flash her tits 
a traffic going by to try and get like the police to come to stop the crime yeah to just make sure they're around oh my gosh that's so funny like there was an article on her doing that wow she is a Mm -hmm. she's a woman yeah (laughs) they would take supplies from local supermarkets and grocery stores and one night when Addie went in alone to one of those stores while Zach waited outside she was in one of the aisles when a man came up and grabbed her and tried to rape her oh my goodness yeah she fought him off and she got away but she was extremely traumatized by that yeah, her what history too. Yep. So that I mean, really anybody shook her would up. be traumatized, but like that can bring up so much. Mm-hmm. So things, you know, continued, and eventually government did step in, and so people started coming back to the city, and they hated that. They didn't really want this lifestyle to end because they just thrived. They liked not having to pay bills, not having responsibility, not having to work. They liked just camping out and having fun and partying. So they did not want things to go back to normal. <laughs> right? Yeah. Zach made his temporary stay at Addie's apartment permanent. So he was like, we're living together. We're living together. They ended up adopting several stray kittens and they would open up their home to several of their closest friends to stay while the city continued to get back on its feet. Mm -hmm. Friends that were around them said that it was very clear that they were completely in love with each other. Zach's mom, Lori, received a phone call after the storm had ended from Zach saying that Addie was his soulmate, that he had never been in love before and that this was it. Mm -hmm. By the end of October, (laughs) things started to get back to normal again. So everyone was going back to their jobs. And then Lana began demanding to Zach that he needs to resume his parental responsibilities. Yeah. She was still pissed. Fun's over here, buddy. Yeah. She was furious that she didn't, that he didn't go with them. That he just kind of left her and the kids to endure the storm without any help from him. And also during that whole time, he never returned any kind of messages that she left on his phone during that whole time. Which oh, I don't I'd know. be pissed. Yeah. And, like, she didn't even know if he was alive. See, that's a, like... Like, she thought that he might have been dead. And she would just... She didn't tell the kids that, but she would make things up to the kids. Like, no, he's just... Daddy's just out helping people. Oh, he joined the Red Cross. Yeah. Oh, He's building the levees. And then you look in the newspaper and you see all these pictures, you see the pictures of, of him and his girlfriend mm-hmm. fucking in the streets. <laughs> yeah. So then Lana came back to New Orleans and she found out where Zach was living. And she planned this dramatic confrontation with him, hoping that it would kind of force him to come back and support her and the kids to kind of get the shit together. So she rented a van and she drove out to the apartment with a baseball bat. Oh. <gasps> Oh, wow. She didn't want to knock. It's okay. She didn't want to knock him out with it. She just wanted to knock on the door with it and kind of (laughs) give that presence. So she was banging on the door at Addie's apartment because Zach was living at Addie's apartment and he was not there. Addie was, though. She didn't answer. She refused. And but she later told Zach like what happened. And he quickly was like, he called Lana. He's like, hey, let's just meet face to face. Like. Because he was probably embarrassed Mm -hmm. and freaked out that Lana had went to Addie's apartment when Zach wasn't there. So the following day, they met up. And as soon as she walked in, she says that she felt like this tangible sense of resentment and hostility coming just off in waves off of Zach. Like he was just seething. Probably from like he probably felt it was like a personal attack on Mm -hmm. Addie or something. Right. He immediately said before even saying hi, he was like, Addie doesn't ever want to see you again. Lauren was like, no problem. No problem. Can Zach, you just come and be around your kids? Zach was like, I want to see the kids. Lana said, you need to pay child support. Zach said, what? I have to pay to see my kids? <laughs> Lana said, no, you can see your kids as long as we make some arrangements. If you're going to take the kids with Addie, I need to meet her. 
Zach refused since he had yet to meet Lana's boyfriend okay. that, the whole time. Okay. And he's been around the kids. That is fair. Yeah. Even when he was me- living with Lana, he didn't get to meet the boyfriend. Oh, that's messed up. Yeah. And Lana's reply was, you want to meet him? He's over there gesturing to the other end of the bar. So, like, her boyfriend came as well. Probably maybe just back up or something. Right. Make sure everything went okay. Zach shouted, I have no desire to meet the man who took my wife. You're not even in love. You just said you have the love of your life. Why are you mad? Yeah. Don't be mad. Just grow up. Grow up. Yeah. And Lana was shocked by the intensity of his anger from that outburst because he was always the more level-headed in their relationship, which from what we've seen, kind of. Mm -hmm. And she said that if Addie was going to be their stepmother or, you know, that figure, then she needs to meet her. This isn't about her being mad at Zach and Addie being together. She doesn't care. Addie can have them. Mm -hmm. But she needs to meet her. And she was just, as she was like telling him this, Lana was just getting so pissed. She was just overwhelmed by this feeling of bitterness and anger that because of him abandoning her, like as she was talking, which that happens when you're saying things out loud, finally, Mm -hmm. you're like realizing, oh, well, that was, you treated us like shit kind of thing. So she was upset and she just kind of snarled at him. I'm real, real done with you. That he nodded and they they went their separate ways. A few days later, he went back to Lana's apartment because he still had things there that he owned. So <laughs> Why he went, did he go get this while they were like, I don't know, setting up camp? <laughs> so he went back and he found that because, you know, Lana had also left during the storm mm-hmm. from her apartment. So that apartment sat empty during the storm. Yeah. So when he went back to get his things, he found that it was looted. Like someone came and stole everything. surprised? Shouldn't be. Right. So he he took what he could and he went back to Addie's apartment and he did tell her, he's like, you're going to have to meet Lana. You know, for me to be able to see the kids, you're going to have to meet her. And the kids are going to be staying with us on a biweekly basis. Oh, well, they figured all of that out. Which he was really nervous about telling her this because, you know, he'd have to, she'd have to meet his ex-wife. Well, I don't even think they were. And then all of a sudden divorced. you have kids that are And now you're going to have kids at your apartment. Every other week. Did you sign up for this? So he was very nervous about it, but she ended up taking it really, really well. Like she was thrilled at the idea of being like a stepmom figure to them, which was a little surprising. So she ran out right away and she bought clothes for the kids, which is so sweet. But then when it came time for her to actually go meet Lana and see the kids, she refused to get out of the car to talk to Lana. She refused to talk to her. What is wrong with these people? Yep. And when they got back to her apartment, she hardly even interacted with the kids. kids. She didn't even really talk to them when they got back. Yep. Wow. And instead, like, whenever they were over, she would just go off on long bar crawls and not be around. Oh, my goodness. And then she would come home drunk Drunk and she would shut the bedroom door to be alone with Zach. Well, she wasn't being... Right. In one of her dark spells. Yeah. Right? But it was... Oh, she shut the door so the kids couldn't be, like, with them. It's messed up. It's messed up. It's like maybe she want, just wanted Zach to herself and uh-huh. not the she kids. Didn't want to share. Mm-hmm. The it got to the point where the kids told their mom Lana that Addie didn't like them. It was mm-hmm. really sad. By the end of November, Addie's coldness towards the kids turned into more like outright hostility, and she forced Zach to instead of bring them to her apartment, he had to go rent a hotel room and spend the kid time with the kids there. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he reluctantly agreed. And just kind of went on with things in that direction. And eventually, Addie got a bartending gig. So, Because, again, 
everyone's going back to normal jobs. They're now getting back on their feet again too. So she went and got a bartending job and Zach started delivering groceries. Early spring, 2006, Zach and Addie went on a marathon of drinking and drug sprees, which often ended in Addie lashing out at him during, you know, these dark spells that she would have. She would get really yeah, awful towards him. Yeah, should not call him benders. No, and it got so bad that Zach said at one point that he's done and he needed a break, maybe even a permanent break from her. So he went to visit his family back in Washington. He went to see his well, I think he like went to Washington and also California to see both parents. Mm-hmm. So but his dad eventually moved back to Washington. Well, no, he his dad yes from New Orleans because yeah, yeah he went back to Portland. Okay, and um, so he was spending time there when he decided that he was already gonna he's making plans to go back to New Orleans, but he was doing it for the kids. He wanted to make it up to the kids because yeah, he just picked up and left mm-hmm. his kids. Didn't even tell Lana. Because he had thought when he first left, like, this, I might just not come back at all. What the heck? I know. So, Lana was pissed off when she found out that he left the city and didn't tell her. And Addie was also, like, really, like, heartsick over him breaking or leaving, breaking up with her and leaving, basically. Mm-hmm. So, he ended up flying back to the city. And Zach and Addie reunited. They got back together. Things kind of went back to normal. But they also got back to normal in a way that they would go out drinking. She would drink too much and she would abuse them again. So they would constantly fight. They'd break up. They'd get back together. One night she was even arrested after getting into a fight with Zach, pushing him out the door. And, um, or no, I'm sorry. She left the apartment. They got in a fight. She left. She ran out. She took her that gun with her. And it was loaded. Oh, my goodness. And she just kind of pointed it on a stranger on the street because she was drunk. And, you know, they called the cops and she got arrested. And Zach refused to bail her out. What a mercy. So her other friends just kind of banded together and saved up money to be able to bail her out. I don't think the freaking gone away from her. Honestly, I don't even know how she has it. And after she got out of jail, Zach and Addie got back together again. Because neither of them have learned any lessons. Mm -hmm. And during another fight that they got into, they had a screaming match in her apartment. And she physically, this is when she actually pushed him out of the door and slammed it behind him. He banged on the door trying to get back in. She refused to let him in. So he kind of just walked away. Neighbors were pissed. Hearing all this, they're probably I think over it at it's this It's middle point. of the night yeah. for this one. So they called the cops. Zach was outside. The cops showed up and they found him. And he had a bag of weed on him. <gasps> he did try to like toss it like yeah, nonchalantly, but, but they, they saw it. So he was arrested for possession. <laughs> yep. So then he, he got out of jail eventually and got back together. They also had endless access to a friend's drug supply because he was also a drug dealer because they had lent him money in the past. The drug dealer they lent mm-hmm. money for so rent. Then, uh. So then to pay them back, he was like, you guys can just have like access to drugs and we'll, I'll pay you back that way. Because I think it was like $900 that they fronted for him. Hmm. And so he was like, this is how I'll pay you. So they would take hundreds of dollars worth of Coke like on a weekly basis. I feel like that's more than 900. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, he's like, thanks for fronting me. Now I got you for for a while. At a point, he was kind of like, I feel like we're even now. But I think Addie like was like, no, scared the shit out of him. You we did this for Mm -hmm. you. Yep. So. Wow. Yeah. So they have access to free drugs. Not a great combination. No. 
Their relationship continued to deteriorate and Zach started looking for emotional and sexual companionship elsewhere. Now he was still living with Addie, did not break up with her. And he started, he started actually hanging out more at gay bars and started dating a real estate agent. So he, a guy. Mm-hmm. Oh. Mm-hmm. And Addie found out. She was very, very pissed off. No. Very pissed. When he would be at work, like at delivering groceries, she would ride by on her bike and just kind of yell slurs at him. At one point, she rode by and shouted, it would be nice to have sex with a straight man one of these days. I don't really know what that means. I don't know if she's had sex with multiple gay men. men, Which he was bisexual, not gay. Yeah, Yeah. Still, I don't know. Then why well, she probably didn't even know. Probably she was not. probably just like anything that came to her freaking mouth. Yeah. She, yeah. Mm-hmm. Damn. On another occasion, she stole his phone. Because again, he's still staying there. Get she out. stole his phone, called all the, well, okay. So he would stay there, but he would also stay like with his other friends. Mm-hmm. He would hang out there if he needed to. But she got a hold of his phone. She called all the women in his phone book and told them all that he had AIDS. He didn't have AIDS. She just called everyone and told him that. She's and then, psycho. then she deleted all the numbers from his phone. But then they got back together. It's because it's the circle. It's they the got cycle. back together. Yep. And this time they decided to move apartments. Hers was actually like really falling apart. Like I think her toilet stopped working and the landlord refused to fix it. Like it was they have weird roles as far as landlord okay. and tenant relationships like in Louisiana. Very lax. Yeah. Like, I don't think she would have been able to force him to do anything, like, to fix anything up. So, she was like, well, let's just move. So, they got back together and they moved into 826 or 826 North Rampart Street. And this is above Priestess Miriam's Voodoo Spiritual Temple. Oh, Yeah. So, they got a little apartment above a, a voodoo temple. Wow. So, a little shop. Yeah. And... Zach fronted the money for this. So it's not great. So whenever he was, you know, away from the apartment one day, she went behind his back and signed a six month lease in her name only. So he gave her the money. He fronted the first two months of it. Okay. But they didn't meaning giving to her the landlord. The landlord, and then so she then wouldn't she have had to sign, or wouldn't he have had to sign? The that? landlord shouldn't have allowed her to just go and sign a lease in her name. Yeah, but he did. So she went behind his back, did that, and then she kicked him out. And then she was like, "You're not on the lease. Get yep. the fuck out." Yep, because she was still pissed about him cheating on her. Mm-hmm. So she kicked him out, or tried to kick him out. And even though he's the one that found the place again, and all the money. And whenever they were fighting, the fight turned physical. Okay. So I'm going to go back to Zach's suicide note that they found on his body. Okay. This is not accidental. I had to take my own life to pay for the one I took. If you send a patrol to 826 North Rampart, you will find the dismembered corpse of my girlfriend, Addie, in the oven, on the stove, and in the fridge, along with full documentation on the both of us and a full signed confession from myself. The keys in my right front pocket are for the gates. Call Leo Watermeyer to let you in. Zach Bowen. Oh my goodness. So it really wasn't a mystery to them. They knew right away what happened. Oh, God. 
Mm-hmm. So wait, this was all because she kicked him out pretty much? Yep. So she signed that lease. And he just they fought, her. And about an hour later while they were fighting, he put his hands around her throat and strangled her to death. Then he started to write in her diary that she had. So he wrote in her diary, tried to kick me out, then would not shut the fuck up. So I very calmly strangled her. It was quick. Then he wrote, after sexually defiling the body a few times, I was posed with the question of how to dispose of the corpse. But before he could figure out what to do with the corpse, he ended up passing out because, again, he, he was drunk during this. Okay, I was like, they, they were both they drunk. They can't be sober. No, they're both drunk. He fought, he, he had sex with her. Mm-hmm. And then he That's- passed out. Then he woke up the next day, went to work. No. The body stayed where it was. He got to work and his friends remembered seeing him unshaven, unusually quiet. And when they asked what happened, he was just like, me and Addie split, man. We had a real falling out. She packed her bags, took some of my money, and went back home to North Carolina. I'm in shock right now. Yeah. He had tried to convince some of his friends to go, like, take a trip with him to go traveling because he just kind of wanted to get out of here. Them not really understanding why, thinking maybe it was just the breakup mm-hmm. that caused that. They refused, and he ended up going back to the apartment, and he started to clean up the crime scene. At this point, though, wouldn't she have been, like, hitting rigor mortis, where, like, it would have been hard to dismember? I mean, He's this a big was... a though. Yeah. And this is probably this the is next the day, day after. Okay. Yeah. So like within that day, after. that's when he's like, we're going on a trip. We're going to leave. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then, so he dragged her body into the bathroom and started to methodically dismember her. Another quote from the diary that he wrote in, I came home, moved the body to the tub, got a saw and hacked off her feet, hands and head, put her head in the oven after giving it an awful haircut, put her hands and feet in the water on the range. And then I got drunker and some hours later turned off the stove, filled the tub with water and passed out. Wait, wait, wait. He was like boiling them? Mm-hmm. On this. Why? I guess it to try and dispose of it and make it easier to like get. cut it up or get rid. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, man. Yeah, so he had planned to spend, like, the next couple days working on disposing of the body. He was supposed to be off from work. So another quote from the diary, I was off. I was to be off all weekend, so I had plenty of time to work, but due to laziness, spent most of that time coked up in various bars with different girls. While she's dead in this apartment. Mm-hmm. And then on Sunday afternoon, which I forget which day was this that this happened. It was just a few days later. But, um... Sunday afternoon, he ended up waking up and he remembered that he was supposed to take the kids that weekend. Mm -hmm. So he called Lana and he asked her to bring him, bring the kids to his work to meet him there, that he would offer her $600 for child support if she, if she would meet him over there. Cause he knew that she was like probably pissed off at this point. So she agreed. And when they arrived, she noted that he was in a super good mood and he told the kids to go into the store and get all the Cokes and the candy that they want. And he was pretty, like, she was cheerful. He was happy. And then he asked Lana, like, why don't you just let me fix up the place this weekend and have the kids come next weekend instead? She agreed and she took the kids back with her. That night he went back to the apartment. He sawed off the rest of the legs and the arms and put them in roasting pans and stuck them in the oven. Then he passed out again. 
Seven hours later, he woke up to an awful smell coming from the kitchen. So he turned off the oven and went into work. He was just cooking it while he was passed out? Yeah. He came back home from work. And, and he reeked yeah, that When he walked back into the apartment after work, he was just so, he was overwhelmed with what he did. The horror, the self-hatred that he wrote. I scared myself not by the action of strangling the woman I've loved for one and a half years, but by my entire lack of remorse. So I decided to quit my job and spend the $1,500 in cash I had being happy and kill myself. So that's what he did. He drank, he did coke, he went to strip clubs. At one point he charmed a stripper while he was out so much that she took him home with her for two whole days of sex and drugs. So the the body's still half dismembered, you know, cut up into different pieces, sitting in different places in the apartment. He's not even there for days. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. I thought he was going to like commit suicide like that day. No. He wanted to live out the rest of his life. And then he realized at this point it was October 10th, which was the eighth anniversary of his wedding with Lana. So that kind of like set him off a little bit. So he ended up, he was drunk. He stumbled to a payphone and he called Lana just around midnight. And when she picked up, he shouted to her, let's have a drink. But she was like, that's not really an appropriate thing for us to go do anymore. Isn't it almost that next weekend? Like, shouldn't he be having the kids? This is a Tuesday. Okay. So So not there yet. Okay. And close. But she's like, I don't, that's not a good idea. Like, that's going to look, we're both in different relationships with other people. We shouldn't go be getting drinks, especially on our anniversary. Celebrate our anniversary. That's strange. Yeah. And he was upset that she just kind of dismissed him. And he said, you're still my wife. We're not divorced. But Lana explained that, you know, they're in different relationships now. Mm-hmm. Like, just because we're not technically divorced, we're not together. Right. Right. And then he he said that he would um, give her more money for child support to get the kids their winter coats, like $400. And he was like, I'll give you this cash. Just come meet me to get the money. And then he was like, I want to party with my favorite stripper. That's what he said to her. That pissed her off. Yeah. Yeah. Why are you even saying that? She was like, fuck off. I'm going to bed. And she hung up. Wednesday, he went out that night too with one of his friends and got inebriated. When his friend went to leave the bar, like he, Zach pulled his friend aside and whispered to him, I'm not who everybody thinks I am. I have a persona that I present. Which creeped out this friend because that same friend, Addie, had said something similar to him the last time he had seen her. About him? About Zach. She had said, Zach isn't the nice guy that you think he is. So, there was that. But still, no one's like really questioning what's actually going on because they believed his story that she went back to North Carolina because it's something... She had mentioned that to some people before. She was like, I think I might just go back back home. So, people were kind of believing it and with the way her personality is and... And she could have just done that on a whim. Exactly. So, Zach went back to the apartment again and started staging for his dramatic exit from the world. He inflicted cigarette burns all over his body, one for each year of his life. And how he was like 37 at this point? He was 28. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Wow. He wrote about his final days in Addie's diary, and in that he listed his all of his life's failures as friends, jobs, military, marriage, and love. I just 
really don't like that he's like writing in her diary. I know. Like you took her life and then you're also like taking like mm-hmm. her her space. Yep. In a sense. Mm-hmm. Find other people. Yeah. Well, not but only. But then he's also so sick in the yeah. head. Mm-hmm. So not only that, but then he went around the apartment and started spray painting on the walls. At one point, he spray painted Lana's number on the wall above the bathtub. In the living room, he spray painted I love her, meaning Addie. And then October 17th rolls around and he stops by his friend slash drug dealer's house to try and get him to party one last night with him. But his friend just kind of refused to get out of bed. Didn't really think anything of it. He was like, no. So Zach by himself walked to the Omni Royal Hotel at 621 St. Louis Street. And he strode through the lobby, went up the elevator to the La Riviera rooftop pool bar. And he spent a very long afternoon drinking by the pool by himself. 8.30 p.m. rolls around. That's when he jumps off the roof. In front of everybody. Yeah, I don't know how busy it was, but... Wow. Yeah. Around 10 p.m. is when the cops went to the apartment after finding the note. And they found just what he said was in his note. <sighs> With the landlord's assistance, they went into the apartment. The place was a, a mess. It was I junk it. all over beer cans. What was weird that they thought there was no blood on the floors? Oh, I was expecting blood. Mm-hmm. He did it in the bathtub, didn't he? The cutting. And he probably spent a lot of time just cleaning up. Mm-hmm. And something else, they didn't smell anything See, from her corpse. Wild. But, because again, this has been two weeks now since the yeah, since because he, he killed her. It. Well, he also had his air conditioner set very low. So it was like an ice box in there, which uh, is what would help with the smell too. Yeah. So, and when they went around the apartment, they found more spray painted messages like, I'm a total failure. Please help me stop the pain. Please call my wife. And then there was a wide spray painted arrow that pointed towards the oven. Look in the oven. Total mm-hmm. failure. Call Lana Bowen. And then it has the number. Yep. I think this photo says. Yep. And they found her, her head in the pot and her torso was wrapped in a garbage bag in the fridge. That is so brutal. And I just was not not expecting it to go like that. Yep. So I thought maybe their drinking and drug use and PTSD mm-mm. would play a part in like an overall. I mean, I definitely think PTSD yeah. certainly caused it. I was just expecting, you know, they had a big falling out and yeah. he killed her and then that was it. Mm-hmm. He killed himself. Yep. And um, some people actually think that it was because of them living above that voodoo temple. And that it set. That they think the bad vibes from that is what kind of pushed it along. I mean, I think they were headed that direction anyway. I think it probably would have happened any which way. Mm -hmm. Because of how bad it was like escalating over time. Mm -hmm. So that's the tragic case of Zach Bowen and Addie Hall. That's tragic. Do you want to hear, since this is PTSD related, I did add a few little stats in here. According to recent estimates, about 8 million adults in the United States alone have PTSD in any given year. This means that approximately 3.5% of the U.S. population is affected by PTSD annually. According to the World Health Organization, approximately 3.6% of the global population has experienced PTSD in the past year. That translates to over 250 million people around the world who are affected by this condition. Oh my goodness. And then... Some some other little 
stats here. So military veterans and PTSD, about 11 to 20% of veterans who served in Iraq or Afghanistan have PTSD. Vietnam War veterans have a higher rate of PTSD than veterans of any other war. Mm-hmm. Veterans with PTSD are more likely to have other health problems, such as chronic pain and sleep disorders. Veterans with PTSD are more likely to be unemployed or homeless, and they also have a higher risk of suicide. Mm-hmm. And also, first responders in PTSD, about one in four police officers have symptoms of PTSD, and one in three firefighters have symptoms of PTSD. About one in three survivors of sexual assault will develop PTSD. Mm-hmm. So it's out there. It's all over the place. And it's sad because a lot of that's just it's such a new well, and this what these stats are aren't even gonna be accurate because there are so many out there that do not even get any kind of help that they need because they're embarrassed, the, the whole stigma around mental health. I was just gonna say it's so no, it's pretty new so, and so many so much undocumented stigma. cases are out there. Absolutely. That we don't really know and people either can't get help or are embarrassed to get help. Right. Or don't know how to get the can't get help because they don't know how to get the resources or mm-hmm. might be homeless yeah. and can't get those resources from it. But it is sad. It's very sad. Um also in light of Veterans Day coming up, I think it is really important that we acknowledge what these veterans do mm-hmm. and that like it shouldn't be like PTSD and resources and rehabilitation should be in place more and there should be more yeah. uh, support and finance mm-hmm. budgets yeah. in place for it. I just, it's scary. And like the nonprofit I work for, they, we have a veteran program. Oh, nice. Um, so it's like therapeutic horse riding right, and right, right. Uh, equine assisted activities. And just when I'm speaking to those veterans, it's like, sometimes it's not always therapy that helps, but there are other things out there that have uh, have helped them with like mm-hmm. PTSD. So there's so many resources out there. Yeah. Um, Sometimes it's just getting a dog. Yeah. Like that has helped so many people. So many people. So therapy, service dog, mm-hmm. service animals. Yeah. Doesn't have to be a dog, but it could be a lizard. Yeah. Um, and it's sad too because it's really like drugs and alcohol can really make things spiral. Yes. That will make any kind of mental health coping, issue coping worse. mechanism right it's, it's very there and mm-hmm. accessible so yeah so well i hope you like enjoyed the episode even though it was really sad it was really sad yeah so hopefully our next episode we could do a little something fun yeah i'm bringing I'm back probably up. gonna make it a little lighthearted. yeah um not too much <laughs> too much sadness <laughs> not too much sadness leave it to sid to bring everybody down I think it was an important yeah, and I um, didn't even case to cover. Honestly, I didn't even really mean to line it up with Veterans Day, but it, it worked out that way. Ironic that it did, yeah. Yeah, so thank you guys for listening. Um, don't forget to follow our social media pages. We have our Facebook at Unprofessionals Asking Questions, our Instagram at UAQPod. We have our email at UAQPod at gmail.com. You can send us recommendations, questions you have, whatever. Our website is UAQPod.com. You can also submit... Uh, recommendations through there as well as listen to the podcast if you so wish don't forget to wherever you're listening follow and subscribe so you can get automatic downloads and keep up to date with all of our new episodes that come out and don't forget to rate us a five-star rating if you enjoyed the podcast we also have our patreon page set up if you feel like you have a little extra to donate to a good cause of us just you know chit-chatting and 
learning things, please go over to patreon.com slash UAQ. There are three different tiers to choose from. $1 a month, $5 a month, and $10 a month. We really appreciate all of your feedback, all of your support. Happy Veterans Day. Happy Veterans Day. Thank you to our veterans. Also, happy early birthday, Sid. Thank you. Um, her birthday will be the day before this release. So, And congrats to Julie on her engagement. Woo, woo, woo. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye.